Because when you have a vision, it feels so real. It feels so tangible, you know? It feels so reachable. And when, when something feels reachable, it's so much easier to be motivated. Like, it's right there. Hey, I'm Bailey. And I'm Stephanie. We are the hosts of Never Too Early, a podcast where we showcase youth activists, NGO founders, and entrepreneurs. In this episode, we speak with Aaron Combs. Aaron is the founder and CEO of Students for Attention, a nonprofit whose mission is to create miracles and build a better world for the neurodivergent community through grassroots activism and free services such as screening tests backed by science. SFA has high school student members in over 10 countries who are working towards their vision of a world where every neurodivergent person has the necessary resources to succeed and where social constructs are designed with neurodivergence in mind. Since we had quite a long conversation, this episode is actually divided into two parts. Continue listening to hear more about neurodivergence, what Students for Attention does, the importance of having a vision, and so much more. Welcome or welcome back to Never Too Early. Today, we're super excited to have Erin on the podcast. So as a fun question to kick us off, we'd like to ask you, Erin, what is something that you're grateful for today, even though you've just had like a very quick morning? No, of course. Um, I know this is going to sound dumb, but Adele's new album came out recently, as almost all of us know. So grateful for Adele. Always so grateful for Adele. Um, her album, if you haven't listened to yet, so good. Go listen. Um, super grateful for her new album, yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. What's your favorite song off her album? Oh my gosh, Oh My God is so good. I love how she incorporates Afrobeats into her usual style and the way she harmonizes her voice in that song is so good. I totally know what you mean and like Adele always hits different. I could be like mm-hmm. gushing over her for like the rest of this episode so I'll just like quickly move on from that. Um, but for any of our listeners who don't know you or don't really know about what you do, would you mind giving a short introduction about who you are and what you do? So um, I'm Aaron. I am an ADHD slash neurodivergence activist. Um, I'll just give a little background on where I came from. So I have ADHD, if you don't know. And when I was in elementary school, I really struggled with academics, with my social life. But I got really lucky and my my parents and I met a psychologist who really helped me. And that's where I kind of thought, like, I was really lucky to meet this person. But there are a lot of people who aren't lucky in their experiences with ADHD, with autism. And I wanted to give back, you know, I wanted to create quote unquote miracles for other kids that happened for me, but might not happen for them. And so that's where I founded Students for Attention. So Students for Attention, or SFA for short, is a teen-run neurodivergence nonprofit dedicated to building a better world for the neurodivergent community. Um, Some things we do, for example, we have, we're developing a free ADHD screening test. Um, We run on-the-ground grassroots activism campaigns Um, We work with schools on making their programs, their tests more neurodivergent friendly. Um, We also link high school students with younger autistic students in elementary schools. And we also run local webinars to educate the local population on ADHD and neurodivergence. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. I love to hear that. Before we ask more about what you guys do specifically, would you mind giving us a bit of a background on what neurodivergence is? Yeah, of course. So I always like to talk about neurodivergence in kind of a metaphor. So everybody thinks different. And we know that we that we have diversity, we have biodiversity, you know, we have gender diversity, we have racial diversity. And it's important to note 
that people thinking differently is also a type of diversity. And that's what we call neurodivergence, neurodiversity. And neurodiversity is a really important concept overall, like from a biological sense, because humans develop such a high capacity for thinking, you know, and our ability to think differently from, differently from other people is actually one of the reasons why we became so successful as a species, right? We were able to grow, we were able to expand because two people could approach the same thing and look at it totally differently, you know? So that's really important. And from a more scientific standpoint, neurodivergence is where the brain perceives stimuli differently. So let's say between me and perhaps Bailey, um, we're both listening to an Adele song. <laughs> and I might hear it in one way. I might find it really loud or really, you know, deep. But perhaps Bailey, um, she might find it more softer, you know. Um, and that's just neurodivergence because the brain will perceive signals differently. And it's the addition of many different kinds of different perceptions that build our neurodivergent expressions. That's what we call them SFA. So ADHD, autism, dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, all of them, right? It's the layering of multiple neurodivergences on top of each other that creates our expressions. Wow, that's so detailed, especially like as a biology student, I love to learn about neuroscience. I think it's very, very cool. And the way you explain it really makes it uh, way simpler to understand. Uh, moving on from that, I would like to learn a little bit more about your journey having ADHD. Were there any struggles throughout the journey or uh, did you feel different from other kids? Anything like that? So this might sound cliche, but like ever since I was really young, like I just, I never fit in. You know, I was always kind of that like outlier. Um, And, and if my elementary school friends are listening to this, you'll know exactly what I mean. <laughs> I was always that one weird kid. Um, middle school, I got kind of better. Um, I was able to fit in better. And then high school is when I kind of matured and was able to kind of come into my own. But the struggles I experienced were always kind of it's the perceptions, right? I always had trouble like perceiving social situations and understanding like, what I'm supposed to do in a social, social situation, right? Like most kids will find like, okay, I'm in this situation. I should say this because parents are here or teachers are here or they're, they're adults or just my friends, you know. But for me, I had a lot of trouble making those distinctions. And kind of in this environment, I'm supposed to behave it this way. Like I didn't get that. And through my psychologist's help, I was able to improve a lot. But that's one thing I really struggled with a lot. And I think really quickly, but I can go from one topic to another. Like for example, if I were just to be talking about neurodivergence, I could like my brain would be going on this tangent while I'm talking and I would be suddenly like in five seconds later, I'd be thinking about like board games, who knows, right? And that made me struggle in school too, since if the teacher is talking about, um, let's say variables in math and all of a sudden I'm over here thinking about the pasta I just had for lunch and how delicious it was, I'm not going to really like do well, right? And is through these kind of struggles, like every single day, I, I kind of thought of it like my daily battle. It was every single day I'm trying to, you know, stay on topic, trying to perceive the world around me like everyone else does, you know? And what I ended up realizing is two things. One, that there are, I developed lots of kind of like coping strategies to help me. And I realized a lot of kids didn't have these. And the second thing I realized is that it doesn't have to be this way, you know? Neurodivergent kids, don't have to fight this daily battle 
every single day since the moment they were born to try to fit themselves in society, you know, to try to fit themselves in what's considered the norm. And that's kind of where SFA came from. It was this really fight to make this world, you know, a better place built for neurodivergent people. A friend of mine who is also working with me on SFA, she has this great analogy too. Let's say everybody in the world had wings, right? Obviously, if you don't have wings, that's not going to ruin your life. You know, everyone else might have wings. It may be really cool, but it's not like a really big deal. But the moment you put all the entrances of the buildings on the top floor, then suddenly not having wings becomes that disability, becomes an issue, you know, and that's what we're doing, you know, we're making sure that the entrances aren't on the top floor anymore. They're all on the bottom floor. And so people with wings and people without wings, everybody can access them. I absolutely adore that analogy. I love how it talks about equity in a way that's like, oh, not everybody has to have wings, but it has to be accessible for people who don't. I I love that so much. So we've talked a bit about SFA. So I'd love to hear about, you know, more specific initiatives of what you guys have done. And also maybe some anecdotes or stories you have of the people that you've worked with and see how that, you know, you've changed or you've helped them. No, of course. Um, Something we're we're like, in the midst of working on is the hashtag fund student mental health campaign. We're currently working on writing the legislation for this, but what FSMH is, is a student push to, in California where I live, to amend our 2013-2014 education bill that established the way schools are funded and to amend it to include in the definition of high need students, which defines how much funding your school gets, to include students who struggle with mental health. And if you don't know, mental health is also part of neurodiversity, so that's why it's relevant for SFA because that opens up so much funding for schools who historically don't get that funding, you know. And with that funding, schools will have so much more resources to help their students, you know. Mental health is a big issue and it's entirely necessary for the state of California to fund the health of our future generations, you know. It's our it's our ability to perform to, that really, you know, defines the future. And if we're here struggling with mental health, we are not going to be performing up at that optimal standard. And so that's something SFA is working on right now. Um, we'll, we'll be talking with multiple school psychologists around San Diego. We'll be meeting with the uh, local senator, our state senator, um, hopefully, and talking to her about what we're doing. Hopefully she can help us advance the legislation in the state senate. Um, and some other things SFA has done, as I talked about in the beginning, we are developing a ADHD screening test. And so how that worked is um, we conducted research and we came up with a list of, I think, 50 um, distinct ADHD symptoms. The way we kind of approached it was unique in a sense that we built on the idea of ADHD having three kind of expressions. There's the ADHD impulsive, the ADHD inattentive, and the ADHD mixed. And we ensure that we tested for each of those categories. You know, if you go online and just find like an ADHD test, they're skewed. A lot of them skew towards inattentive or they might skew towards impulsive, but they don't have that holistic, you know, we're going to test for inattentive and then impulsive and then both. And that's what we kind of did because we wanted to ensure that if someone's taking a screen test and it tells them the most accurate result that pertains to them. Whoa, that's so amazing. Like how I assume um, from your own experience and perhaps from your friend's experience, how you took that, like uh, your own symptoms and put them into this ADHD test. Um, One question I would like to ask is throughout all these legislation or like writing up these tests, 
are there any um, struggles in particular or challenges that you've encountered because you were a student or because you were just a teenager trying to change this whole system? Absolutely. I could go on forever、yeah. about <laughs> the number of barriers that、mm-hmm. there are stopping teens, you know, stopping kids who are younger from really engaging with the world. And I'll just go off on like the few big ones.、Um, the first one is that if you want to make a difference in the world of health or science in general, there's a high bar for a high entrance bar, you know. There's so many resources you need, so many connections you need, you know, like especially with when I wanted to do ADHD, you know, activism slash research. I didn't know any psychologists, you know, I didn't know any people in the field. And that's, A big barrier, like not knowing people in the field, is a struggle. Both my parents are engineers, so I'm here trying to, you know, trying to find out people who do ADHD research who are activists, you know, and it's just really difficult to go find these people. LinkedIn has helped, I will say that, but it's difficult to find people. And the second thing is, like again, for ADHD, when we're developing our screening tests, a lot of these large corporations who have developed screening tests, they have so many resources behind them, you know. Like they ha- they can collect data on such a wide level, like have and have such a large population pool to measure from. But for us, it was really we we were going door to door. We were like, please, like、um, we want to interview you so we can get a general sense of what we should do, you know. And that was a struggle. It was a great struggle, I will say, because we got to meet great people. We got to ha- develop kind of a sense of what our community needs. But it was difficult. And then, for teenagers in general, I think there is an overall like. I guess bias against youth because in many industries there's like this expectation that if you want to enter this field you need to have a degree you need to be experienced you have to have this many years of work experience you know and a lot of the times you need a connection to get in many youth don't have that you know、um, I'm lucky I live in an area where I know a lot of people who could help me but there I have a friend who lives in Kansas you know there's nothing there for, for them to build off of and so. That's really difficult to get into the industry in the first place, you know. And since there is that bias,、um, we're constantly trying to overcome that, and we're trying to show with the stuff we do as youth that youth can do this too. You know, we as teenagers, we're not just there to go to school, take tests, you know, take AP tests or IB, whatever your school offers. We're here to explore interests, you know, to create projects to make a difference. Yeah, that is. Amazing, and that is so right. Because at the end of the day, you know, we are not limited to our academic standing or what we're doing in school, but it's more so, you know, how we change the world and make a bigger out- impact、exactly. outside of school.、Um, so the first question sort of stems from that. I have a couple like questions after that, but the first one is for these people in remote areas or with nothing to build off of. What do you think is the first step? For me, getting a LinkedIn.、Uh, LinkedIn was. Yeah, crazy good, crazy good.、Um, I met Bailey over LinkedIn. <laughs> Fun fact,、yeah. <laughs> but people over LinkedIn are surprisingly like supportive. You know, if you see a post you like and you comment it on it and you reach out, people are willing to support you because everybody on LinkedIn realizes that it's through reaching out with people and building a network. It's a mutual benefit. You know, it's through building that network that you can really. Do great things, and everybody wants to be part of doing a great thing, and that's why everybody wants to connect with everybody else, you know. And so that's why LinkedIn is such a helpful, net, a helpful platform to really use.、Um, 
Also through LinkedIn, I've been able to reach out to psychologists, you know, to people in the industry, and even to just learn about how other teen activists are kind of approaching their problems that they're solving. And that's really helped me kind of really define the core issue I'm trying to solve here, which is the fact that the world, that our social constructs are not built for people with ADHD and neurodivergent people. So LinkedIn has really helped. And the other thing is resources are always in the places you never expect them always. And so always have an open mind. That's my advice. Um, you would be really surprised on where you can find your resources. Like just for just for an example, in middle school, um, I had this wonderful, you know, wonderful history teacher. And she always, we always in class, we love to talk about, you know, issues pertaining to today, um, what was on the news, um, etc. And it was through her that like, whoa, I just realized that she introduced me to, for example, for National History Day, which is a competition I participated in previously. And it was through like her that I, I went to National History Day and I realized that you can do project-based analysis of history. You know, you can approach a historical topic and kind of analyze it from multiple perspectives and then kind of come up with a thesis. And that's kind of the same approach I, I brought to SFA, you know, taking this thing and then looking at it from as many perspectives as possible, because that's what neurodivergence is all about, perspectives. And then synthesizing an idea, you know, a solution, a thesis. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love that. And I also feel like I have my fair share of finding resources in unexpected areas, too. And it's really just like one connection leads to another, which leads to something even greater. And you really can't right, lose right. when it comes to LinkedIn and connecting with people. So I love that anecdote. Um, but then going back to a little bit about what you said in the previous question about challenges, these challenges that you face, how do you overcome them? What motivates you to sort of step over this barrier? So I would say the single most important thing that I've, I have that helps me keep going every single day, you know, um, and this is something that I find really helpful since I always struggle with motivation. In the sense that since I have ADHD and I talked about that daily struggle, the struggle was every single day since I was born, you know? And so it was either I found a way to motivate myself or I was going to struggle for the rest of my life. And so what I realized is I really needed to develop a vision, you know? Where do I want to see myself tomorrow in the next hour, you know? Or in the next week, the next month, the next year, in 10, five years, 10 years, you know, what is my vision? What do I want to see? What do I want to create, you know? And once you have that vision, and it's important to spend time on your vision, you know, it's not just uh, you wake up one day and uh, this is my vision. It's really important to think about it, to write down ideas, to brainstorm, like, where do I want to be? Where do I, what do I want to do? What do I want to see, you know? And pinpoint that down, Pin, really pinpoint it down to a single thing, like one sentence. And then once you have that single sentence and it, the shorter, the better. Honestly, the shorter, the better because it's easier to work with. Once you have it, it's so much easier to get motivation. So much easier because you, because when you have a vision, it feels so real. It feels so tangible, you know, it feels so reachable. And when, when something feels reachable, it's so much easier to be motivated. Like it's right there, you know, it's just not next hour. This is what I'm going to do. You know, that's my vision for myself in the next hour. And I know I can do that. It's not that hard. It's one sentence, three words. Maybe I want to eat or something like that. You know, maybe it's just like, I want to eat healthy today. And my vision for my eating healthy today is I'm going to have five pieces of broccoli with my breakfast. And that's my vision, you know, and I go downstairs and it's not that hard. Five pieces of broccoli in my plate 
done. I just created my vision, you know. And it's repeating that repeatedly throughout your life, like over and over again. That keeps you, that keeps me especially moving forward, you know, because there are always so many distractions, so many obstacles, so many, you know, people who might want this, who I might want that, you know. And all of us as teenagers, we have so many kind of like responsibilities, family, school, friends, you know, if we do athletics, if we do music, you know, and it's really important to stay true to your vision, you know, don't forget it. If you're doing something or you're interacting with someone or you're spending time on something that doesn't fall within your vision, don't do it, you know, stay on your path, you know, and if you consistently remind yourself of this vision, it makes everything so much easier. I love that. And I think that it's not only important for like ADHD patients. Um, it's really important for everyone actually to have like a vision for them to really achieve what they want. And I think that with, as you mentioned, so many distractions nowadays, um, even when I have to finish this chem assignment, I have to tell myself that I am going to finish it in this hour. That was what I did like uh, before this podcast. I had to finish that or else I couldn't sleep tonight. Um, I think that that is very applicable in every one of our lives. Big thanks to Erin for coming onto the podcast. I seriously, genuinely enjoyed this conversation, and I really found all of Erin's anecdotes, metaphors, and advice really insightful. Remember, this is a two-part episode, so stay tuned next week to hear more from Erin. We post every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to your podcast now. To stay updated and involved, follow at nevertooearly.pod on Instagram. We have all the links in the description of this episode. We would love to hear from you. Bye!